welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Look upon us, O God, Creator and Ruler of all things, and that we may feel the working of your mercy, grant that we may serve you with all our heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The Lord has opened my ear. For my part, I made no resistance. Neither did I turn away. I offered my back to those who struck me, my cheeks to those who tore at my beard. I did not cover my face against insult and spittle. The Lord comes to my help, so that I am untouched by the insults. So too I set my face like flint. I know I shall not be shamed. My vindicator is here at hand. Does anyone start proceedings against me? Then let us go to court together, who thinks he has a case against me. Let him approach me. The Lord is coming to my help. Who dare condemn me? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I love the Lord for he has heard the cry of my appeal. For he turned his ear to me in the day when I called him. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. They surrounded me the snares of death with the anguish of the tomb. They caught me sorrow and distress. I called on the Lord's name. O Lord my God, deliver me. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. How gracious is the Lord and just. Our God has compassion. The Lord protects the simple hearts. I was helpless, so he saved me. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. He has kept my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living. A reading from the letter of St. James. Take the case, my brothers, of someone who has never done a single good act but claims that he has faith. Will that faith save him? If one of the brothers or one of the sisters is in need of clothes and has not enough food to live on, and one of you says to them, I wish you well, keep yourself warm and eat plenty, without giving them these bare necessities of life, then what good is that? Faith is like that. If good works do not go with it, it is quite dead. This is the way to talk to people of that kind. You say you have faith and I have good deeds. I will prove to you that I have faith by showing you my good deeds. Now you prove to me that you have faith without any good deeds to show. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. My only glory is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, which crucifies the world to me and me to the world. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and his disciples left for the villages round Caesarea Philippi. On this way, he put this question to his disciples. Who do people say I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, they said, others Elijah, others again one of the prophets. But you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter spoke up and said to him, you are the Christ. And he gave him strict orders not to tell anyone about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man was destined to suffer grievously, to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and to be put to death, and after three days to rise again. And he said all this quite openly. Then, taking him aside, Peter started to remonstrate with him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, because the way you think is not God's way, but man's. He called the people and his disciples to him and said, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But anyone who loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Who do people say that I am? Well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah or one of the prophets. When we stop to think about it, it's quite incredible what the crowd is actually saying about Jesus of Nazareth. They're calling you John the Baptist. They think you're one of the prophets, and not one of the minor ones like Habakkuk or Baruch, but, you know, one of the heavyweights like Elijah. If we think about it, It's as if one of our backbench politicians took a poll and the response came back. The people think you're the next Winston Churchill. They think you're another Abraham Lincoln. It would be like a scientist being told that they're comparing you to Isaac Newton, Marie Curie or, you know, Albert Einstein. Imagine a philosopher being told that he or she is the next Aristotle or Descartes or Kant. Who do people say that I am? You're Da Vinci. You're Rembrandt. They're saying you're Beethoven and Mozart. But the crowds clearly fall short because Peter speaks up and says, No, you're none of those. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. The one who will destroy the enemies of Israel. You're the descendant of David who will re-establish the throne of Israel, and you and your descendants will reign forever. The Messiah was the one. He was the definitive bearer of God's salvation. And by means of the Messiah, God would save his people. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't correct Peter. He accepts that profession of faith. 
And all of a sudden, it starts to dawn on the disciples just in whose company they're now standing. This is him. This is the long-awaited one. It starts to dawn on the disciples that they're the most blessed people in the history of Israel. As Christ says to the disciples in the Gospel of Luke, right? Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see and never saw it, to hear what you hear and never heard it. I've often wondered what it must have been like being in the company of Jesus in those early times of his public ministry, to be thronged by the crowds clamouring to touch him and be healed, to be among the multitude as they sat enthralled, hearing the Sermon on the Mount for the first time. How intoxicating it must have been to be in the presence of such a magnetic personality, such bright and original teaching, such a good and holy man. It must have been incredible for the inner circle of the disciples. They were at the centre of the movement. It must have been like being a student in Michelangelo's art studio. Or like being a roadie at the height of Beatlemania. Peter's confession of faith and Jesus' acceptance of his confession of him as the Messiah propels the disciples into a whole new stratosphere. They're now in a whole new league. Being so close to the Messiah put them in contact with the very centre of human history. The time to which all history before anticipated and the moment by which all the future would be shaped. And here are a bunch of fishermen at the heart of this great event. How overwhelming for the disciples. Not only is Jesus another John the Baptist or Elijah... That would have been saying a lot already. But now the disciples know that they are in the company with the one. They're the most privileged people in human history. But it's interesting that after this beautiful and remarkable profession of faith, after this magnificent realisation of just who this Jesus of Nazareth is, there's an incredible reversal. Yes, you are in the presence of greatness, as no other human being before you has. But the Son of Man will suffer greatly. He will be rejected by the elders. He will be killed. And he will rise after three days. And clearly, it's a hard message for the disciples to hear, particularly considering how their egos were being tickled by being so close to the action. And so Peter arcs up and starts to remonstrate with Jesus. This isn't the path to glory. Suffering and death won't make you a rock star. Really, what Peter seems to be getting at is that in order to be successful in the worldly sense, it's important to feed the ego. If you want to be great, you need the esteem of the scribes and Pharisees, not their condemnation. If you want to be famous, you need the acceptance of the crowd, not their rejection. Well, Jesus makes no secret of what he thinks about that plan. Get behind me, Satan. Because the way you think is not God's way.
but man's. So what is God's way? Well, Jesus says, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's counterintuitive because we'd rather follow the path of least resistance. Man's way of thinking, Peter's way of thinking, is about self-aggrandizement. It's about pride, honours, accumulation. The ego wants wealth and privilege and anything that stands in the way of these ends is an obstacle and should be eliminated. Funny then that Jesus says Peter has become an obstacle. Peter's advice to Jesus, eliminate the cross. It's a stumbling block in your path to wealth and honour and privilege. You're the Messiah. You're the next king of Israel. You need to take your place among the greatest in humanity. You're the Christ. All other kings should kneel before you. They should do you honour and pay you tribute. Jesus, the cross, is a stumbling block in your path. No, no, says Jesus, Peter, you are the stumbling block in my path. What a turnaround. Peter goes from getting it all right to getting it all wrong. The path that Jesus treads is a path that frees us from the demands of the self, of the ego. Christ draws out of Peter a whole new vision, a new perspective, The path of accumulation, the path of drawing the world into my own little sphere. This isn't the way of the Messiah. The true path is always one that lets go of the self so that we can be free. True freedom comes from escaping our insatiable selves that just need to be fed more and more and more until the ego becomes so bloated and fat it sees nothing but itself. No, the path of the Messiah is one of suffering love. Christ's path is one that bears the burden of others out of love and not a path that's motivated by the glorification of the self. And paradoxically, this is the path to life. This is the path to resurrection. If we're to find our true selves, our free selves then we need to walk the path of self-denial. We need to put our egos on a diet and embrace Jesus' path of suffering love, a path where our lives find their meaning not in a bloated ego, but in a sincere gift of self. If we're to discover fullest wealth of life, then we need to put our own egos to death. Anyone who wants to save his life, says Jesus, will lose it. But anyone who loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Here's the trouble. Our life doesn't find its true meaning when we follow the path of the ego, the path of least resistance. No, in losing our own lives, in losing our own self, we actually come to discover freedom 
and the true meaning of human life. When we're no longer compelled by our own pride and self-interest to seek after the esteem of others, then we are truly free to follow the Lord. The life and path of Christ serves as an example to us. Because though he carried his cross and lost his life on Calvary, what he found was true glory in the resurrection. The cheap honour and esteem that our egos crave, that second-rate validation that Peter recommends Jesus seek from the scribes and Pharisees, that glory that we all seek is truly beautiful in the resurrected and glorified Christ because it is an honour bestowed not by the elders and the chief priests, but a glory given by God. The path of true glory doesn't come from feeding the self, but by sacrificing it, by taking up our daily crosses and following Christ. Now, this is a hard lesson for Peter to learn. In fact, it's a tough one for all of us. The mission of the Messiah was not to be a rock star, and God's plan for Peter was not to be the supporting act or the roadie. The mission of the Messiah was to bring people to the glory of the resurrection by teaching them to follow the way of the Messiah, to take up the cross daily, and to discover true freedom from the unceasing and deadly demands of the ego. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.